0: Well, welcome to another moment with Eric Fleming. I'm your host, Eric Fleming. Happy New Year. Um, As I am recording this, this is a day which signifies a week after an attempted coup by the current president of the United States to retain power. And as, and as I am recording this, the House of Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives, is voting to impeach this president for a second time, which has never, never happened before in the history of this country. The last time we saw what we saw at the Capitol building, as far as people storming the building, we weren't alive. Um. But James Madison was, cause he was the president then. He had to leave. Not only did they storm the Capitol, they burned the White House. And Dolly Madison became famous for saving a lot of the paintings primarily and a few artifacts that are still in the White House today, current White House. Um, but um, yeah, so we were talking, that's 1814. So, this is the first time that it ever happened with Americans. I mean, not even during the Civil War was D.C. breached to that effect where the Capitol was stormed, right, and, and vandalized. As a matter of fact, during that time, President Lincoln was building a brand new dome on the Capitol building. So, anyway. This is where we are, right? And, you know, the last time I, I, I had this moment with you all, um, the election had just happened. And I acknowledge that we're still going to be divided. Uh, as as we have gotten rid of 2020, which is probably going to go down as one of the most devastating. I don't know about worse, but devastating years, right? It's right up there with like 1968 in my lifetime. And I was just, the more I think about it, the more fortunate I was I was only like three years old when 1968 happened, right? I, I can only imagine being an adult, let alone my age, and processing all the tumultuous stuff that happened in 68. But, you know, here, you know, 2020 was, I mean, devastating. I mean, over 360,000 Americans died and my number is probably really conservative at this point, right? Cuz we should be approaching 400,000 now as the new year's turn around and it's gonna get worse cuz it turns out that the insurrection at the Capitol was a super spreader event and members of Congress have got the COVID right? including one who is a cancer survivor, and she's almost an oxygenarian. (sighs) Somebody had, one of my friends had put a a post out there saying uh, the day after the uh, insurrection, she had said that um, she was returning 2021, she said she's had the seven day trial and she's not feeling that, right? And I'm sure a lot of people were feeling that way. You know, I mean, it's like, really? This is how the new year is gonna kick off. We we just got rid of 2020. Everybody was relieved uh, that we have survived that. And this is how it kicks off. We actually are seeing human beings breaching the U.S. Capitol and stealing podiums and sitting in desks and stealing laptops. I am so glad that somebody had the fortitude to get the electoral college ballots. I said it was a staff person just looked and said, oh, oh, there's the bag. Let me grab that. Everybody else had taken off. So we're glad that at least that person did that so, you know, they could carry on with business once everything had calmed down. And and I think what happened that evening, despite the votes, right, because you still had six or seven dummies in the Senate that still voted to throw out the ballots in Arizona, right, including a former colleague of mine. Or two, maybe, because I think one was in the house too They did that, but, you know, and and maybe not. I gotta go back, because I can't say anything about the house right now, but on the Senate side, yeah. There's a lot of things revolving right now. A lot of things on my mind. But as a black man who has always had to deal with the duplicity of America in my mind, right? How I look at other countries around the world and I look at other so-called democracies and I look at other so-called forward progressive nations and no other nation has benefited from... Outside of the African continent or maybe even the South American continent, right? Benefited from the contributions of black people. And I mean, African Americans have been some of the most loyal soldiers, the most trusted politicians, most dynamic speakers in the history of this country. Defining what America really is. And yet, that very America has a system embedded in it that does everything it possibly can to make black men feel threatened and it actually harms black men, right? And it seeks to isolate black women, right Um. Into these creatures that's like, well, we can't really subjugate them like the men because we really don't think they're that much of a threat, but yet and still they have some value, right, whether it's aesthetically with looks or uh some of the contributions that they have made politically or academically, right or even in corporate america um it's a it's a weird thing and so collectively, black people are like. anomalies right like on the american flag for example everybody on the american when you look at the american flag the most identifiable thing on the flag is the stars the 50 stars you know you you definitely relate to the stars because one of those stars represents you your your state the 13 stripes you know it adds a little color a little balance it gives the red and the white to contrast the blue yeah but if you look at a drawing sometimes a lot of people would like to draw a little short drawings and they want to make sure they got more of the union with the blue stars and you know and just throwing the stripes just so you understand it's supposed to be a drawing of the flag right we're kind of like the stripes we're here it we we make up how the flag looks but we ain't the focal point never have been. But they pay attention to us. And whether directly or inadvertently, they do things to stop our growth and our progress. Right? But, yeah. I mean, that's just my analogy. I mean, probably some smarter people can come up with something better than that, but. I deal with that fact all the time about being, having been in positions as a black person and in, and then dealing with black people in those positions, right? And it's just being an American and being black, it's, 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 it's really, it's always an internal conflict going on. And my 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 reactions to what happened at the attempted coup was it ranged from, oh my god, that's the US Capitol. They're they're invading the Capitol, right? And so I'm thinking, are we getting ready to go to war right now? What are we doing? You know? President of the United States gives a speech and everybody's over at the Ellipse where he's giving a speech. Next thing you know, they marching down the street and storming the Capitol building. To one part of me saying, oh, I wish I was there because I would have been shooting people. I would have been defending the Capitol building. And then in my mind was like, if there was black people coming to that Capitol building, how many bodies would be on the ground right now? How many funerals would we be having right now? At this moment. And so that just, just those thoughts Remind me of uh, just spell out what America is really like for us as black people, right? And they were black people in that crowd, right? Of course, they you know it was majority white and white nationalists. There was some Negroes in there. There was some, just like the majority of the police officers in D.C. that were fighting them, and the Capitol police were black, but there were plenty of white guys too. Some of the white guys were letting these guys in. Wearing MAGA hats and taking selfies and didn't really see the problem or the threat. How how do you, how do you take a job and your whole, your one job, your sole purpose is to protect the building that you are stationed at? That's your one job. And somehow in some way your political affiliation or your mindset stops you from doing that one job and allows the people who are going to do damage to the place you're supposed to be protecting just let them in. Take selfies with them. What kind of mindset is that? Who who does that? I mean, let alone, yeah, it's suspended, fired from that job. Yeah, but like, What, how did I want you to go to John Hopkins down the road in Baltimore and and have your brain examined? I want to see the neurological impulses that allowed you to think that it was okay. Even if you empathize with these people, it was okay for you to take selfies with them and let them in the building to destroy the building that you're supposed to be protecting. That's your one job. I would really love to see somebody just volunteer for that. As a matter of fact, that should be their sentence. They should be sentenced as and, and part of your convicted as a co-conspirator for this, this melee or whatever and, and they should be sentenced to go to John Hopkins for neurological study. Because if we can figure out what was so compelling that you would disregard your job to allow this insurrection to happen. See, black folks got a word for folks like that, right? I don't know what the word is white people, loyalist, tory I don't know I don't know is that was one thing that really bothered me regardless of what my skin color was but being black and seeing that and knowing that there were black people that were elected to represent us in harm's way um because of the actions or the, the words of a human being who clearly was not qualified to sit in that position. And, and because he was allowed to be in position, he has become the most dangerous human being ever. And, and, I, and, I, and, and if you are not a religious person, Or if you've been kind of on the fence, let me just say this to you. God has blessed America, right? I know there was controversy about uh, a Senate candidate and his affiliation with the same Obama's pastor who was saying GD America and all that. And I've had affiliations with that pastor. So let's just be clear, right? Um, But for us to make it basically four years with this dude as the 45th president of the United States, God has blessed America. And not in the way that them silly preachers in Dallas and wherever else they come from, especially that silly preacher in Dallas, but wherever these religious folks, these extremists, right, because because basically those folks that supported that guy that are religious people, right? They, they're like the jihadists, right? If you can find imams that support these folks terrorizing and bombing everything, these folks are the equivalent of that. Now let's be clear. If you are one of those preachers that supported Donald Trump up until this point, into, it, it, past the insurrection, and say that God put him in that spot, Right? then you're a jihadist in the Christian sense. You're an extremist, you're beyond a crusader. You're crazy, but despite what you say and despite what any man says, the fact watching him and dealing with him, God has spared us in spite of ourselves. We could be in the middle of another civil war right now. We could be in all sorts of chaos and disaster right now. And we are in the middle, we, I mean, the equivalent of the plague that, that they hit Egypt is hitting us. And we lost over 300,000, nearly 400,000 people, right? But the scary thing is, is that that's not even 1% of the population. So it's actually a 10th of 1% of the population. So as bad as that is, and to put it in perspective, we've lost more people in one year in a pandemic than we've lost in every war we've ever fought in. But we're still blessed, right? I mean, we still are. Because it could be worse. And that's what I really want to get into. I want to get into why, why, why that call for change that I made for a couple of years, right? Right? And 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 the change that we continue to have to fight for, um, because we still got time on the clock for this guy. As I record this, and there's a lot of cleanup to do before we can move forward, policy-wise. Right. But I but I want to get into the real fact of the election of Donald Trump and his subsequent four-year term was the worst moment in American history. And, and I know, I'm weighing in, I was alive. 9-11 happened. I was alive when Katrina happened. As a matter of fact, I was in the legislature both for those events. I was three years old when 1968 happened. My parents were barely alive when Pearl Harbor happened. They were college kids when Kennedy was assassinated. Our ancestors were the primary figures in the Civil War, what they were fighting for. And there were tumultuous years leading up to that, the debate about when new states came in, whether they were gonna be slave or free, right? Kansas and James Buchanan his administration the reason why the, the Republicans a brand new party was able to defeat the Democrats right and then the two presidents prior before him because everybody always said that Miller Fillmore was always the worst one but it was like at what scale were you rating Buchanan right Franklin Pierce was kind of like the gold standard among those three. It's just really not saying much. But having said all that and highlighting all that and and, and understanding the magnitude of all of those things, right? The presidency of the 45th president of the United States of Donald Trump was the worst thing that has ever happened to the United States. And let's go to slavery, right? Right? Slavery was detrimental to a group of Americans, two groups actually, But unfortunately, America was built by slights. You can talk about the apartheid of the Native Americans, right? It's a terrible, terrible thing. It's the second greatest sin besides slavery that America has conducted, right? But one of the things that we learn in our religion, in the Christian religion, is that slaves, that that sin accumulates, right? That our judgment our our mortality is based on the fact that we sin and we have to atone for that there's you reap what you sow right and so despite slavery and native american apartheid and the civil war and all that somehow, some way, the United States of America and all those people that were victims of those three events managed to move forward and and together built the America that we live in now, right? But... The other thing we we learn in our faith is that if we know and we acknowledge that we have sinned, then we have to ask for forgiveness. We have to repent. We have to be penitent, right? We have to acknowledge and say we're sorry for it. Despite African Americans overcoming, despite Native Americans overcoming, despite this country splitting back up and literally building back, built itself back together. Right? nobody ever said they were sorry for what happened. Nobody atoned for it. Nobody nobody stepped up for that. There were attempts. Closest thing that happened I guess was in 2007. And nobody really pushed it it was out there it was a resolution saying America the U.S. government is sorry for the role this played in slavery or whatever and the guy I was running against wouldn't sign on to it and this was in Mississippi right Mississippi Senator wouldn't sign on to it. I hope he's explained that right but there really hasn't been a real atonement for that. So you read what you sow and over time, despite overcoming this and overcoming that, we get a wave of people that bring us back to where we are. Just just imagine. All right, we're going to get biblical real quick and then we're going to take a break and get back on it. But just imagine. Moses has got bad. God was even mad about the Israelites that he had just freed, or assisted in freeing from Egyptian bondage. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years, or whatever. But 40 years with your clothes not tearing up, your shoes not wearing out, and you know, food is literally falling out of the sky. And you survive. Four generations have survived. Okay. And so finally, Moses and God has a conversation. It's life changing for Moses, right? But he is given this task to issue these Ten Commandments, the very ten edicts that God wants every human being to follow, right? And meanwhile, the, the folks down there, they, they were losing faith in God. And so they decided to make a golden calf, an idol that they could worship. And maybe if God can't do nothing else for us. Maybe this calf can. Right? <clears throat> now, the story goes that Moses was upset when he saw the calf. Broke the books and all that. And then God rewrote them literally like right there on the spot. And, um, Moses read them and the people repented and went about their way toward the promised land, right? And if I'm getting this wrong, all you theologians will correct me. But anyway, that's the general gist of it. So just imagine if God had given these commandments and Moses has read the commandments to them and, uh, the folks said, okay. And then they go right back to worshiping the golden calf. Right? Can you imagine what happened? Let's let's take this area even further and say, uh God said, okay, I'm gonna rewrite them. Moses' gonna reread it. Maybe they didn't get it first time. And you do it all again. And folks say, okay. And then you go back to the golden cap, right? That sounds insane, right? But that that's even whether you believe in this in our religion or not, that that would sound insane if if God has told you to stop doing something and and worship him and then you continue to worship the other thing, right? Which men have done, but that's, like I said, that's another conversation. But in America, that's what happens. When we get to a point in America where it's like, okay, we're going to end this level of oppression toward a people, which may mean that your economics is going to change since you were basing your economics off of this oppression, that your political power is going to change because your political power was based off of this oppression. And America begrudgingly, whether it's through force or edict or whatever, they say, okay. And then somehow, some way, in an insurgent fashion, oppression comes back. Maybe not in the same form that it originally was, but it's still oppression. Right? And so I kind of touched on a little bit of that in my blog um as I, as I uh, wrote that out my new entry. And we don't need to we don't need to do that again. Right? We don't need to, we don't need to let that insurgence of oppression get yet another foothold in America ever again. Because and, and, and it starts just like it did on January 6th. Where are these these white people? who feel as though that they're being left out because it was the South at first and it was kind of understood. We just had a war, You, the South lost. Black folks were taking the positions that they had. Black folks was getting the land that they had. Black folks was getting the wealth that they had, right? And they weren't having that. And they got back in power through terrorism and, <clears throat> and assistance from weak politicians. And um, they created a whole new system of oppression. Now, we weren't slaves anymore, but we sure as hell weren't first class citizens. And that was a region of the country, right? So you kind of get that and blah, blah, and historically, and now everything's been fixed, even though it's been clearly some violations of the Fourteenth Amendment along the way, but that's a whole other discussion. Nonetheless, now we are spread out. It's not just a region. It's 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 a group of is a collective of people who feel That this is their last and that they've got to, they've got to, they don't want their life taken away, especially by these, these socialists and these, these black people and these Latino people who they all call Mexican, by the way, or these weird people that want to love the same sex. Or these people that don't believe in God or, or whatever. They just they're just scared that just, it's just their livelihood, whatever they got, whatever little patch of America they have, is just gonna be snatched away. And you got some guy whose base political fortune on scaring the bejesus out of people and saying that if you don't keep me in. That's exactly what's going on. And 70 plus million people bought into that. Now, fortunately, 80 plus million people said, Yeah, we're not buying that. It's time you go. But still, more people voted for this guy losing. Than any other loser in American history, right? Which is just a whole nother legacy to the worst thing to happen to America, right? So let's let's take a break and come back on the other (music) side. So we're back and um, so <clears throat> we, were, we were fooled, right? Those of us who figured that this presidency was gonna be terrible were fooled because for about three years, it wasn't as bad. Now we did have an impeachment within that period of time, but the economy was still slowly moving forward. If you're in a stock market it was great if you were just an average ordinary citizen like most of us who don't play the stock market. It's so moving along. Um, but there were undercurrents that were developing and the longer that this president had access to social media platforms and basically was a ratings machine for every news outlet. He was kind of stoking that undercurrent and uh, we had, had the incident in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, you know, and just things were brewing, right? Things were happening. And you could, you could see it coming. And um, it was just one of those things where you knew that You, well, it was just one of those things where you knew that the shoe was going to drop did to know when, right? The other shoe, that's an old phrase. So then the question became, when? And then when it didn't drop, then the thing that a lot of us were thinking was, well, maybe he might mess around and get reelected. And that'll be pushing the envelope even further. But maybe we'll be wrong then too. And then 2020 actually happened. And up until about March, the worst thing that had happened was Kobe Bryant had died. Right? but everything else was kind of going along. That's normal. As normal as it can be. But then people started getting sick. And the president didn't do anything about it. And then more people got to get sick. And more people and more people and more people and By the time he decided or he was convinced that he needed to do something about it, it it's too late. And so in a sense, because he can never admit that he, he makes a mistake or he never can admit when he's wrong. His lack of contrition combined with his lack of empathy led to a deadly combination, which as of now, nearly 400,000 Americans have died. You know, there were countries that were literally shutting down the early part of this thing. All the major cities were in a crisis. And he pretty much just said, y'all handle that. Right? Y'all deal with that. And then the mass became political. The mask became a sign of tyranny to the insurgents. And so a sign of being tough, a sign of being independent, was to not wear a mask. And people died because of that. whether because they gave it unwittingly to somebody or they received the virus themselves and died, like Herman Cain, for example, that brazen behavior exacerbated the death total. Now the one impeachment and the handling of the pandemic Would have been enough to get him in worst president ever, at least in the conversation, right? But then January 6th, 2021 happened. And the stuff leading up to that, because from November 4th, 2020 to January 6th, 2021, the president of the United States would not acknowledge that he lost the election. You not have to concede. I didn't concede to a couple of opponents, nor did. Well, yeah, I had concessions from other people, but. <laughs> my favorite one is the Young Guy Got Me. That's one of my favorite ones all the time. Um But you do have to acknowledge that you lost. And you do have to understand that in the system that we call the United States of America, the democracy that we have, um You have to understand that in the transition of power. Um, if you lost, you step aside, and you don't worry about, or you don't try to. create this, um, illusion that you, um, that you did not win or that you were cheated out of it or whatever the case may be, you know, at the local level, you can see where fraud could play a part, especially back in the day. Right? When, you know, the mayors were also the party chairman and, you know, they controlled the votes and the voting machines. You got all that, right? Precincts, whatever. Dead people were voting forever. But at the national level, kind of hard to pull that off, right? Especially to the magnitude where it would change the election and in states that you lost, you had a significant amount of political clout and you still lost. Here's what it is. But not to this president, because this president can't admit to making a mistake. He can't admit uh, to misinforming somebody or lying. He can't admit to not knowing anything. So he sure can't admit to losing. Right? He doesn't concede. And so from November 4th to January 6th, All he did was lie, 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 right? You know, his version of the college hit. All I do is lie, right? And he kept stoking these fires that they took this election from me. They took this election from you. When he was talking about you, he wasn't talking about me or other African-Americans, not unless you were a supporter of his. He wasn't talking to Latinos, not unless you were a supporter of his, or Asian-Americans, not unless you're a supporter of his, or Natives, not unless you're a So of him. He's talking to white people who were supporters of his, who were supportive, who is supportive of this nationalist agenda, which always leads to an insurgent behavior that because they're white, they're given enough latitude to influence the political infrastructure. Black insurgents would not be given the latitude. that latitude. It never happened. Latino insurgents would not get that. Asian insurgents would not get that. Native American insurgents would not get that. But white insurgents get that luxury. And then they look confused and upset when you start talking about white privilege. White, white privilege is the reason why Reconstruction ended, because they were white politicians who did not, who wanted Reconstruction to happen because they wanted to see black people move from slavery into citizenship and to help rebuild the nation. Whether they personally were friends with black people or not was a whole other conversation. But politically, they fought a war over it and they won. So it's like the spoil is these black people become productive citizens and everybody makes money and win, right? But the cost was... Black political power had to emerge because somebody had to pick up the pieces for these states to be readmitted into the union that were in rebellion with the union. And those white folks who were disenfranchised were pissed, very pissed. This is where we get the term redneck from. If you've never heard my podcast before, you've never had a conversation with me about Southern history and stuff. The term redneck comes from the insurgents, the white insurgents, who were Democrats, by the way, as the Republicans like to point out to us, who fought against the black Republican power structure in the South through terrorism. This is where the clan came from and all this other stuff. But the Rednecks was another group who would wear red bandanas around their neck. And so that was their identifier. And that's where you get the term Rednecks from. Which is now some kind of Southern term of endearment and all that. and Always got something to do with the heat and the neck turned red and the heat and all that. No, wasn't a term of endearment. They were a gang. <laughs> Before they were bloods, they were rednecks. Right? And they invoked terror. But because they were white, they were given access to seats of power. Now, the Klan got targeted because. When you wear white sheets and white hoods, you get noticed. A red bandana around your neck, pretty innocuous. Now that you're from the south and you knew exactly what that meant. If you didn't have it around your neck, you put it in your pocket square, whatever. Tied it to your belt. So people knew who you were affiliated with. So, January sixth was the modern variation, the twenty-first century variation of those insurgent rednecks, right? But the difference between now and then is we saw it in real time. We didn't have some neighbor come and say, hey, did you see what they did to so-and-so's house? They put a cross there and da 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 Or they took them outside the house and drug him. Or such-and-such such is missing. Have you not seen him? And then the next time we see him hanging from a tree, no. We saw that foolishness live and up close. On the internet, on our phones, on our TVs, we saw it and we saw it to a building that is iconic with the nation itself. It was one thing for those planes to fly into the World Trade Center. It's another thing to see a plane fly into that Pentagon, but can you imagine a plane flying into that Capitol building? Just to show how devastating that imagery is, just remember when Independence Day first came out, and they were doing the commercials and the opening scene was watching the Capitol explode. You like, what the, is, what kind of movie is this? That was an image that would burn in your brain. You would remember that and people went to go see that movie. Well, January 6th was the closest thing to actually seeing that happen in real life because There were people that had bombs there. The underlying story that people forget is that there was a bomb placed at the Republican headquarters and a bomb placed at the Democratic headquarters at the same time. As the Capitol was being evacuated or locked down. Uh, the Republican and Democratic headquarters were being evacuated at the same time. This was a terrorist attack. This was a coup attempt. And there are people leaving this administration left and right because they realized that's what it was and they could no longer enable this guy anymore. The worst thing that happened to America, the election. Or oh, if you could turn back time, or if you could defy physics, traveling time, could have stopped them from getting on the escalator. One way or the other, and descending down to that podium to announce that he was president. You could have stopped that. But in hindsight, I mean, you say that in hindsight because in real time, people thought it was a joke and that wasn't really going to happen. Nobody was going to vote for this guy. At least not the majority of Americans, not in the Republican primary. They're not going to vote for this guy. But he's tapped into something very primal very raw with America. And that is the blame game. Nobody wants to be accountable for their own screw-ups in America. Some of us are forced to. Majority of us have to face up to it at some point, but a number of people don't. And so it's very easy to Say the reason why you didn't get this promotion, the reason why you won't um, have this program or you can't get admitted to this college or whatever, it's because of these folks, because of somebody else. The economy is this way because we got to take care of these people. And people take that personally. A lot of people. They don't understand how ridiculous that even sounds. Because they don't want to be accountable for what they are. Or how screwed up they are. That maybe it wasn't meant for you to achieve this thing. No, not me. So that makes them susceptible, and people play on that. And anytime you elect a person based on what you're afraid of instead of what you hope will happen, you're going to get bad results. And that's where we are with this presidency. That's where we have been for the last four years and you couldn't get anything good out of that, again, because it was based on fear. Fear of a woman being in charge. Fears that have been stoked over generation and generation. Lies that have been perpetuated about your advancement being tied to the destiny of a whole other culture and race who don't even know you exist. The majority of them or care that you exist because they're trying to survive on their own. So a group that doesn't want to accept accountability, elects a man who has no accountability whatsoever. accept any kind of accountability whatsoever. Who will deny it to his dying breath. I can imagine him talking to God and saying, yeah, I'm not really dead though. as he's laying in bed about to take his last breath and say, this is not my last breath. Then dies. It's just, it's just how bad this dude it? But we allowed it to happen. We meaning those of us who voted for him, those of us who didn't take him as serious, it was too late. Those of us who didn't support the candidate that could have beat him as specifically as we did this time. We opened that door collectively. And the very environment which perpetuates, we we still haven't found a way to put that fire out. So, it's still a problem. So, he's the worst thing to ever happen. He's clearly the worst president we've ever had. And two impeachments pretty much seals the deal on that. Not to mention, nearly 400,000 Americans in a year died under your watch. Literally, your watch, because you took no action other than suggest that we may drink Lysol. Now, when we go back in history and we look at some things he was able to accomplish, some things that President Biden might not change or any president down the road, but two impeachments, 400,000 Americans dying. The nation is equally divided. Um, is as divided if not more divided than what it was during the Civil War. We just haven't picked up guns and started shooting each other yet. I think that's not just the worst president. I think it's the worst thing that's ever happened to us. 21 years or 20 years after a moment that was supposed to galvanize the nation and we were supposed to go forward from that point on and then because we were relatively unified when Katrina hit and the country responded but over time and especially after the election of an African American president Things started to devolve because some people were like, Wait, a united American means that a black man can be president? Oh no, we didn't sign up for that. And so the backlash began. Similar to the 1860s, 70s, when it's like, Oh, a reconstructed America means that black people run the legislatures in Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia and Louisiana and South Carolina. Oh, no, we didn't sign for that. And the insurrection began. So. The genie is out of the bottle and now we got to contain it. We got to put it back in. We have no choice. If we're going to move forward as a nation, we got to put it back in. January 20th, 2021, Donald Trump has to leave the White House and Joe Biden has to go in. It has to happen. And we joked about him being kicked out. We even created memes of seeing the secret service throwing him out. But will we get a real live shot of that? I would not be surprised at this point. Excuse me. Um... And I just, you know, you think in the last 20 years, we've seen at least three black United States senators serving at the same time. We've seen a black man become president and now a black woman become vice president. We've seen corporations run advertisements saying black lives matter. Just a whole myriad of things, right? That as a young kid growing up, late 60s, early 70s in Chicago, probably wouldn't imagine that. But we were too cool in our blackness back then to even really stress about stuff like that, being young, youth, you know. miss those days but for my father to see that I wish my mom could have seen her sorority sister become a vice president but for my father to see in his lifetime that's that's amazing because he experienced Jim Crow So I guess, I mean, if you, if you disagree with what I'm saying, that's fine. The beauty of America is that we're, we're supposed to disagree. What, what I'm afraid is people are going to be like, oh, well, I don't want to associate with him anymore because he said Donald Trump was the worst president ever. How are you gonna explain that to your grandkids when the history books come out and say the same thing? We have to be accountable for that fact. And if that, so be it. If people don't agree with that to the point where they don't wanna interact with me, that's fine. It's not gonna change the fact that he was the worst president ever and probably the worst thing that's ever happened to this country. I mean, if, if you visualizing 30,000 people storming the Capitol building is not a, on his direction is not enough to make you think that he was the worst ever. I mean, he, he attempted a coup. and been trying to play it off ever since. He attempted a coup. Cool. And of course, he's not going to say it failed. He just said, yeah, that wasn't really, but what I said was appropriate. Appropriate to who? So if people get mad at it, so be it. I am, in, I am furious that possibly the worst thing that could happen to this dude who did something that no other president would ever dream of, right? Not even Richard Nixon, who had to quit. He never thought about rallying the people up to storm the Capitol building. He actually was accountable for his actions. And so when people asked him to resign, he did. people want to be mad, they can be mad. But the essence of what I'm trying to say is we need to acknowledge the fact that this was a terrible moment for us. But we all made it through and we're going to get better. But we got to raise our voices and silence the voices of insurgency. That's how we make that happen. But we want to be in denial and we want to say, oh, this is partisan and blah blah this is no. Me and Liz Cheney can agree on something that I'll tell you something. Until next time.